I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 99 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio with said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think we have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars, the Irresistible Force, the Immovable Object, the Las Vegas Playboy, Brian Malonis. Yeah. Uh, are we pretending this is Monday morning, Mike? Yes. Or we, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just got in. Yesterday, I'm very tired. Uh, daylight savings time screwed me all <laughs> up. Uh, I took the red eye home, so I'm very tired today. Dominated Vegas? Of course. Spoilers? No spoilers. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you really can't give spoilers because, yeah, it's Thursday well, evening. I could, I think. Really? Yeah. All right. You, you won, right? <laughs> you just go with that? No. I know what's going on. Oh, you do? I'm very important. Okay. <laughs> you know your stuff. All right, well, we'll have to You're see. Really, hey, if you keep calling me the irresistible force, uh, we might get a cease and desist letter here soon. So keep doing it because that would be really great publicity for us. <laughs> sure <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll, I'll keep with that. Now, uh, when is your match? Did it air or is it airing the first tag team match with yourself and the Beer City Bruiser? This evening on Fight TV, the Fight TV app. All right, make sure you're uh, subscribed. You're going to subscribe. You just have to yeah, download yeah, the app. It, it, actually, if you look... Myself and the Beer City Bruiser are actually the graphic for this week's episode. That's lovely. How about that? How do you like them apples? Looking very debonair. <laughs> no, sure. it's actually a really crappy picture of me. It, it looks like I don't think it's something Ring of Honor sent them. I think it's something that a screen cap. No, I think it's like somebody at Fight TV just pulled like search Brian Malonis on Google Images and found something that just came. It wasn't up. even a Ring of Honor image. No, it's not a Ring of Honor oh. image. No, <laughs> no, it was taken. I believe at like a big time wrestling show. Like two years ago. All right. So Fight TV app tonight. Check out. Tonight. Brian Malonis and Beer City Bruises are doing their thing in tag team action. In Atlanta, GA. Atlanta, GA. And you're doing your thing in Las Vegas this weekend. But we were doing our thing last week on the podcast, episode 98, where we talked about worst wrestler nicknames. And how'd you feel about that episode? I thought it went well. Did you enjoy? I did. I did. Another yeah. dumb Mark did as well. You said you enjoyed it. Now you're being <laughs> no, redundant. No, Brian, this is a person on Twitter called Another Dumb Mark. Oh. I'm not dubbing him that. He dubbed himself that. He is at <laughs> Another Dumb Mark on Twitter. He said, I was surprised not to hear more late era WCW names on at the WPAN today. Bag nicknames seem to have been their bread and butter those last few years. Sean Stasiak had a litany. The perfect one. Perfect Sean. The mecca of manhood, none of which actually fit the bill. I, I, I think... Uh 
I speak for a lot of people when uh, I say I checked out already at that point. Of WCW? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm sure there are many names in WCW that didn't pass muster, but think, I don't know. You're, you're of legal age right now, right? If, or, or almost, right? We're in 2018. Mm-hmm. WCW went away in, in 2001. So you're like a senior in high school if you were born the year WCW went away. Think about that. That's silly. <laughs> Something else that was silly. Thanks, Mike. Something else that was silly was you're talking about Sparkies. Yes. Well, I guess we'll talk to our guest in a few minutes if he knows what a Sparky is. (laughs) Probably nobody is. Nobody knows. Maybe I completely made this up. Maybe I could trendset this. The Playboy Jimmy James and at Big Daddy O'Neill on Twitter both knew what a Sparky was. Thank you. And what is a Sparky again for those playing at home? It's when you pants somebody like pants and underwear. Never heard of that in my life. That's Never what a Sparky is. Uh, so that's. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you could educate us on uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. I'll, I'll demonstrate on you later for our guest. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks very much. Well, I said it's episode 99, Brian. So that means next week is the big one. Episode 100 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. And we are doing the WPAN roast. So what we need is for you to call 401-584-9726. That is our voicemail line. The number, once again, 401-584-WPAN. And give us your best shot. We will play your roast next week on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Boom, roasted. <laughs> we'll see what they got next week. And uh, I think at the end, we'll be able to uh, you know, give it back a little bit. That's what they do with those roasts, right? I don't know. You tell me. Okay, something like that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, please call the uh, number 401-584-9726. Episode 100 is next week on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. You don't don't really think they're going to roast a big-time international wrestling superstar such as myself now, Mike, do you? Well, not if they know what's good for them, I guess. (laughs) I guess we'll have to see next week. (laughs) Speaking of international uh, playboys... No. Jimmy James? <laughs> BrianMalonis.com, your website. Yeah, still How's not it looking? Up. Yeah, still, I'm still waiting for that, I guess, that final approval from Pro Wrestling Tees. My, I have two designs up that you, if you search my name, you can find the designs, but the store itself isn't up yet, so I, I, don't, I don't know. So for now, just search Brian Malonis at ProWrestlingTees.com. Yeah, I'll share the links and stuff, but we'll make a big, we'll make a big deal about it when the website's a up. A big to-do. Yes. Probably by next week, maybe? Episode uh, 100? I don't what know. What a celebration that may- will be. Maybe. <laughs> All right. And uh, the big celebration will continue at the WPAN.com. That's T-H-E-W-P-A-N.com, our website where you can find uh, all the episodes. You can find our biographies, if you will, photos from our long and storied careers, and much, much more. VWPAN.com. And in between episodes, go to the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group for more conversation about wrestling podcasts, including the wrestling podcast about nothing. And speaking of which, today on the WPAN, we'll be talking to one of the cornerstones of chaotic wrestling on the eve of Cold Fury 17. One of my greatest rivals. Yes, in and out of the ring. (laughs) We'll talk about that. In front of and behind the cameras. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming this Friday to Hayroll, Massachusetts. Chase Del Monte will be here in just a moment. It's It's so unlike you to stir the pot, Michael. No, no, no. I would never do that. (laughs) Plus, your promo about nothing is coming up and a whole lot more. But first, Festivus is not just a date on the calendar here at the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. It lives in our hearts every single day, 24-7, 365, as the kids like to say. So it's not just for December 23rd. It's a Festivus for the rest of the year, too. So for that reason, here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, we are airing our grievances each and every week. And now you're going to hear about it. Brian Malonis, Go. Yeah, well, we talked about Cold Furies coming up this Friday night, and I'd like to consider myself sort of a Mr. Cold Fury. 
Oh, really? I've, I think I've probably been on the most at this point, or tied for the most at least. And, uh, you know, Brian Fury, uh, a friend of the show. I thought he was my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, how am I not in the championship match at Cold Fury in the main event? I mean, it would seem to make sense, right? Well, you got to earn it. You're not looking for handouts, are you? Of course not. I think I've earned it for the last uh, 17 years. Well, I guess we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> I've I earned it. I, a good answer for I, I've, been, I've been wrestling in chaotic wrestling longer than Elior Markopoulos has been alive. That's he's thirteen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Close. Close. Uh, well, I don't know if you're gonna get your way, but uh, will you be on the card at Cold Fury seventeen? I will be on the card in attendance. Yes, I will. All right, so we'll have to check that out, catacrestling.com for tickets, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that with our guest. But my grievance, Brian, I don't know if you noticed uh, me being a little off. As I uh, came up here, I mean, maybe no more than normal. You're always off. You're always grumpy. You're always surly. Well, uh, I visited the doctor today. Oh, boy. And uh, <clears throat> it's been a while. I had a physical. I had a physical. And uh, men of a certain age. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I should have known when I was in the parking garage, I walked by a car with the uh, license plate. <laughs> what did it say? <laughs> the ass man's in town. <laughs> so I went up and saw Dr. Van Nostrand. And <laughs> man, wow. There's no preparing yourself for that, my Is friends. Is that why you're sitting on a donut? <laughs> <laughs> it's fusilli. Corkscrew pasta. Million to one shot, Doc. <laughs> Million to one. Uh, wow! Yeah, it was it was a rough rough <laughs> afternoon, but but here I am. <laughs> Good God, I wasn't prepared for no, that. Oh yeah, I saved that one. I wasn't prepared for uh, that. <laughs> Good so, Lord! Yeah, so I'm here. I'm in one piece, well, thankfully. Yeah, man of fifty years old, you have to be uh, well you have to be careful with that stuff. <clears throat> so you got, uh, you got you got a baby coming along. Got to take care of yourself. Yes, definitely. You got to get your butt checked. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so that's what I'm dealing with, Brian. So uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll get through this. We'll find a way. Well, I'm very pleased you shared this with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I do here in the WPAN. <laughs> so it is time. <laughs> There's no segue. I don't know how you know where we go from there. I mean. <laughs> There's no segue to bring in the guy we Speaking got here. Speaking of rectal exams. <laughs> <laughs> here he is, folks. We're actually in his humble abode. He is the longest reigning chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion of all time sorry brian son of a bitch <laughs> that's all right i took it from him and then now he took it back it's fitting there you go he's a long time pal of mine uh, he's a long time rival of yours as we alluded to in many I ways we say long time pal now okay yeah, it's been a long time all right well he is chase del monte Thank you for having me. I'm not sure how I uh, follow rectal exams, but uh, <laughs> I'll do Mike, my best here. Michael will uh, demonstrate what he had done if you're if you're so inclined. <laughs> you know, we all saw you trip up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I was walking a little <laughs> funny there, Michael. <laughs> little spaghetti legs there, a little bit. <laughs> so how are you, pal? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Better I mean, than me. Take a little umbrage with the fact that 99 episodes it took me to get on here. Uh, is, yeah, a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. I think you should have saved me at least for number 100, but uh, if there's going to be a roast, I'm certainly going to hit up one uh, RJ Deloise, so you should be expecting a very lengthy voicemail. <laughs> RJ Deloise has uh, been on this podcast numerous times at this point. Yes, yeah, so a long time uh, member of the uh, WPAN Nation, if that's the thing. It's not really, but. First, no. first, time, first time, long time. 
<laughs> Definitely. Well, do we want to get right into it? The the long and storied history between you, Brian Malonis, and you, Chase Del Monte. Ooh. Sure. In front of the camera and behind the camera. Let's start sure. hot here. As as uh, Coach Hollywood says, let's the start pot. hot. This is what he does. He completely, <laughs> he completely like just gets me all intertwined in these things. Michael, we've just recently put this all to bed and you know moved on and let bygones be bygones. And now here you are bringing the past, you know, back to the forefront. So now it's just, it's just, it's just fun. We right? should, we should, we should have really made it something. And brought Fred Sampson back, and he, <laughs> he could, he could have told a firsthand story. <laughs> <laughs> really? So what's what's? Well, we'll get to that, Mike. That's the main event. Yeah. You know, oh, you, you want to you don't, don't start with the main event. Oh, okay. no, that particular it's point. It's a teaser, Mike. It there keeps, you go. Keeps the listener, you know, involved. I should, know, I should know. Why that. am I hosting this podcast with you? Why aren't, why aren't me and Chase doing it? <laughs> Seriously, I've been asking myself that for a long time. <laughs> well, then, Brian, what is your first memory of Chase Del Monte? Uh, ketchup shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I d- was known for my very uh, eclectic version of T-shirts that I would wear to practice, and then and then the big gulp shirt, right? We used yeah. to call you Big Gulp. Yes, the Seven Eleven shirt that I uh, just happened to throw on one day for practice, and <laughs> one pistol Pete Malloy in a promo made a reference about Big Gulps, and now that that took for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, you were you were Big Gulp for quite he a while. Doesn't, Crockett doesn't ever update the names in his phone. You're probably Big Gulp in his phone still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm still Big Gulp in many of the Logan's phones. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like Max Bauer, his name on my phone was Max Tampax for a very long time. I think I was Buffet in your phone until yes. fairly yes. recently, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, my first memory, I think, was the uh, 7-Eleven t-shirt and you being Big Gulp. Yeah, that, and that was only probably my second or third week of class, With too. shirt one time. Yeah. <laughs> that, come to think of it, that was my very first class match at the CTC, and I believe that was my third week of class. What year were you? did you start? That was September of 2003. Wow. Long goes time way, ago. Goes way back. Yeah. It's a long, long time ago now. Rocket had already been in the business 17 years at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so what brought you to it? Because you were a, a Jersey fella. Jersey boy from the Jersey Shore. What brought you to the Chaotic Training Center, which is now the New England Pro Wrestling Academy? Well, I was just uh, finishing up at Villanova. Uh, I had graduated and didn't really have much in the line of prospects or <laughs> any idea, really, of what I was going to be doing. Many college graduates feel the same way, <laughs> me included. So, you know, I was always a huge professional wrestling fan and uh, had gotten myself in pretty good shape. So I kind of thought, you know, if there was a time, if there was a chance, you know, probably right after college was the time to do it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who graduated the year before me was getting a house in Somerville. I'd already, you know, heard legends about Killer Kowalski and his uh, professional wrestling school. And that being right in Malden, we were going to be living right in Somerville. I thought it would be, you know, pretty easy. So uh, in August, I came up to meet with Killer. Killer uh, was just about to close his school. So I met with him. We talked for a little bit and he gave me a pamphlet for the CTC and said he'd be moving his uh, school up there in a couple weeks. So then I went back home to Jersey, packed all my stuff up, was up in Massachusetts the first week of September. I met with Jamie, paid off, drove home that weekend. My sister got married. The following Tuesday after my sister got married, I went to my first class. And I don't think I've gone more than a couple weeks without being in that building since. Wow. It's a long Crazy. Time. Yeah. I remember I had, a, I had a run like that for quite some time. And <laughs> now I feel pretty foreign <laughs> there when I go. Not a lot has changed. It, the name has changed, but the place still kind of feels the same. 
Yeah, you know, uh, it has, you know, it's gone through many different trainers and uh, now ownership, but it'll always be the CTC to me. Yeah, same go. here. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know when we plug it, obviously, we'll give the right name, but <laughs> yeah, for the purpose of this podcast, it, yeah. it will be the CTC. I mean, it is the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, outward facing, you know, to other people, I would say that, but to old folks like us, the Logans, you know, it'll always just be the CTC. Right. So how long was it when you started training to when you had your first match? So, speaking of Cold Fury, my very first time on a show in front of a crowd was at Cold Fury 3. Really? Yes. That's the so that Battle Royal or some sort? Battle Royal. And that, I believe, Cold Fury actually used to be, you know, more towards the winter. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. It was actually cold, though. <laughs> so, it was actually in January, I believe, mid-January of that year. So, it was about four months before I was on shows after that. Uh, it was another two or three before then I was uh, on shows fully. I remember a match. I, I thought your first match was against Minnie on like that was so that was my first uh, singles match was in AWE okay. at the PAV, which yes. you, which Chaotic would then go on to steal. <laughs> <laughs> I think we mentioned this before. Yeah. Yes, a very smaller uh, promotion was running that building, and they weren't really packing the house, um, so we kind of snuck in and took it. But yes, I did have a fifteen-minute uh, epic, epic. Epic encounter that uh, I remember showing to one Dukes Dalton, uh, who, uh, you know, gave me some faint praise for the match because everything we did, you know, looked okay. Um, he just told me that's not really the match that I should be having at this point and that we did way too much. <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania-esque. Yes. Uh, you know, it was probably at least 15 minutes for my first match. <laughs> And every, you know, me and Minnie had been talking about that match for two to three weeks, maybe even longer than that prior. So, I mean, I was like, you know, getting in the shower, thinking about what the next sequence was, you know, just, <laughs> you know, thinking about, you know, just he would randomly tell me a spot and I would have to fill in the match from there. So it's like Steamboat, uh, Steamboat um, Savage. Savage. Yes, <laughs> it, it was very much along the, I mean, not, not towards quality, but uh, <laughs> in terms of formatting, that is kind of how it was. You know, we had everything. I mean, there wasn't there probably wasn't even a single, you know, kick or punch thrown that wasn't predetermined. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you say to Dukes in response? We were just like, this is the people. They loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, Dukes really helped me out uh, a lot in the beginning. Uh, you know, he was around a lot more in those days, kind of in the beginning. And he, you know, uh, Hollow kind of was in the different ring. So I kind of got to work with him a lot. And he really showed me kind of... You know, not that what we did with me and Minnie was wrong, but just kind of why there's more to it than that and kind of like the art around it. You know, he broke down at one point, you know, about like, you know, just like facials and selling and stuff and, you know, asking why we didn't get more out of it. And, you know, my answer was, well, you know, I had to get over to the corner because I was about to be whipped <laughs> off to the other corner and we had it up and over to do. And, you know, um, and he kind of, you know, stopped me right there and was like, well, he's like, that's, you know, that kind of right there is your answer. He's like, you know, you live in the moments there, you know, and there's no time in between. If you're just kind of running through a preset format of moves, then there's no time to actually, you know, sell the story that you're trying to tell. I didn't, I didn't take it harshly. You know, I, I looked at it and tried to uh, come from there, but you know, that wouldn't be my last uh, epic encounter with uh, the mighty mini. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for that match, did you have the Chase Del Monte name? Um, let's see. I didn't have Del Monte yet. I believe I was Chase Dyson. 
Yeah, that sounds oh, right. Chase Dyson. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard this before. Yeah, that, it was a one-off. I wanted to be uh, Kid Delicious Two K Four as a tribute to uh, Mr. Duke Dalton, but uh, the Booker and top heel of the company was Delicious D. So clearly, that was a uh, you know conflict of interest that we could not have two people with the name Delicious on a show. That makes sense to me. <laughs> so many, so many people would have cared deeply. I, I, you the, know, all the ten people in the audience. That's all they. Would have talked about confusion, brand confusion. <laughs> but then I believe it was my second show uh, up in Maine, maybe second or third. But it was a, a show in the East Bum of uh, Maine, which I believe drew the smallest audience I've ever performed in front of. You guys might have been there. Um, oh, is that the one run by uh, Louis Barbosa? Yes. I, I don't, was oh, you were not. I don't think I was on that one. Yeah. No. Oh man, that was one to remember. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to keep Chase, which I had actually stolen from Andre Lyons. He was going to use the name Chase Proctor, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember laughing at him and just telling him how awful of a name that was. And he told me, "Is like you know, like all right." He's like, "Chase Proctor's pretty bad." He's like, "But you got to give it to me. Chase is a pretty good first name." And I was like. It is a good name. <laughs> in fact, it's going to be mine. <laughs> uh, it will be mine. <laughs> but uh, I was without a last name. This was my you know, second show. And all the boys, we were sitting around in the parking lot. I think we had gotten the ring, which was an ordeal in itself due to the building. And someone asked me what my last name was going to be. And, you know, people start since I had the name Dyson, people started using the letter D and just kind of throwing things out. And it was the Mighty Mini again, who then threw out Del Monte. And everyone popped everyone laughed and i'm the only one sitting there just boo-boo face like <laughs> that name sucks like what am i a spanish conquistador like del Montia? is like i don't get it and like everyone was laughing they're like oh no that's awesome and i was just like i don't want to use that and Minnie, you know looked at me and said he's just like all right well you know it's four o'clock now bell times at seven o'clock he's like you got three hours to come up with a better name or you're chase del monte and 14 15 years later still haven't thought of anything better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like what where did that come from and i mean it ended up you know as people know me i am quite the ketchup connoisseur (laughs) so it does kind of have some tie-in but yeah it was just completely random just off the top of minnie's head sometimes stuff just flows like it just you know the thing that actually i did then learn to like about it is that it didn't need that like second name or like nickname like you know like a high flying or anything like that like it does kind of just roll you know it kind of has its own kind of je ne sais quoi if you will (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny it's funny because i thought there was like more behind it because once i thought about it like chase del monte john bon jovi because that your gimmick was like a you know jersey shore kind of rocker yeah um that was just coincidence completely? So a lot of this will come back to the Mighty Mini. You're going to see that that's a, <laughs> a recurring theme in my early years. Um, it was coming to my first show, and Minnie had asked me what I'd been thinking about uh, entrance music. And I knew I was going to you know, hail from the Jersey Shore. So you know, my thinking was I was going to either come out to something Bruce Springsteen or something Bon Jovi. So living on a prayer, I uh, had a couple of Springsteen songs. And I think the first thing I queued up was Bad Medicine for Minnie. And he heard the opening chords of it. And he just goes, I don't care. What, he's like, you know, I'm not listening to anything else. He goes, that's your music. So I came out to that. You know, it was, you know, it's incredible entrance music. He really, uh, you know, those opening chords were awesome. And I was wrestling in the first pair of gear that I had made were these long blue tights. They had this like white design on them. 
and I think uh, <laughs> Craig Stratton's borrowed uh, black lace-up <laughs> boots. Because <laughs> um, I had ordered boots from Stagecoach, the boots I still wrestle in, but they hadn't come in on time, so I was you know, kind of buying my time, and it was probably my third or fourth chaotic match. And, you know, before then, I had gotten my gear from Easy Money. So I kind of had a relationship with him. And Minnie came over one day for Raw and literally told me on the car ride down to Somerville, he had had this thought that I should wrestle in pleather biker shorts. And, you know, I should wear like, you know, like some sort of like rock and roll t shirt, like maybe a Bon Jovi shirt over it and like, you know, a headband and stuff. Or maybe I had the bandana, I forget. But, you know, I got an express gear made from Easy Money my baby blue uh yeah biker shorts i went on ebay because there was no amazon at the time ordered myself a bon jovi tour shirt went to a store got a white bandana and i mean again my gear to this day is pretty much uh, <laughs> hasn't evolved all that much more <laughs> and you were paired with a with a person when you first started i was i was hoping we would just kind of uh, oh, gloss gloss over, over that, that time yeah <laughs> well we can gloss over it sparkles was your manager yada 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 sparkles Sparkles was my manager. How did you feel about this? This wasn't your decision I'm taking it. No, 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 no. Minnie didn't What's... come to you one day and say, I was driving on the way here. I said, <laughs> you need a, a adolescent girl. Yes. But something so, good did come out of it. She taught you how to do your finisher. It's true. <laughs> to this day, still doing that sparkles cutter. God. For so a little background. Sparkles is the only person in I think the time we we've talked about this the other day. Mm-hmm. We talked about this really recently. We've been around uh, you know for about the same amount of time and the only person the entire time we've been a part of chaotic wrestling that has been kicked out of the <laughs> locker room. Yes. <laughs> and so I will say, just in case she is listening you know she was a very nice girl and like i mean she became almost like a kid sister to me but i was like a 22 year old you know guy out of college she was like a 16 year old girl like i mean it's just it was almost like creepy like you know just having this like little like kid around and the deal was that you know ken phoenix at the time had just gone to the wwe now ken doan uh she was managing him he had left and she was kind of you know uh without in limbo yeah, yeah with in limbo without anybody to manage I was had been doing I'd done a couple shows now. I was probably five months three or four months in. But I've had a bunch of singles matches. You know, I had a bunch of friends that were coming to shows when I first started that, you know, combined with, you know, I'd like to think some natural charisma and fire <laughs> uh, along with my drunken idiot friends cheering their faces off for me. You know, it kind of just caught on. It was a contagious energy. So I was getting really, really over. So they kind of looked at it like, oh, well, you know, we always wanted to pair sparkles with an over baby face from I wasn't really around when Ken was around, but I hear he wasn't that over and chaotic. So <laughs> they decided, you know, <laughs> kind of opposite of what's usually done with a manager. Instead of giving a manager to a guy who can't talk or is having issues getting over, they gave me a manager in order to get her over, which is a little bit backwards. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> um, but it is what it is, you know. Uh, she wasn't malicious. She just no, no. She it, was young, dumb, and put in a position that she probably shouldn't have been put in. I mean, wrestling in general, I always say, is like an island of misfit toys. You know, there's kind of a place for everybody. It's you know, it's a lot of outsiders. You know, it's a lot of people looking for a group, and that's what she was. You know, she didn't have a lot of friends. She didn't really have like any real interests or hobbies or anything to really you know belong to. You know, she had a relationship with Jamie. She was uh, his babysitter, I believe, is how she first kind of found out about chaotic. 
And she kind of just became, I don't know, like the kid sister of the CTC. Like, you know, she was just kind of in and around. So she never did anything, as you said, like maliciously. It's not like she she ever had any bad intentions. She was just a 16, 17-year-old girl. Like, yeah, we're all guys in our 20s. And this, yeah. like this annoying teenage girl is hanging around. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it literally is. When I say annoying, I don't mean like her, just teenage girls and sorry teen i don't think our demographics <laughs> teenage general. girls anyways but yeah in general teenage girls are obnoxious <laughs> yeah and she wasn't really the wrestling type you know she wasn't very athletic you know she wasn't uh she didn't even really seem to really like wrestling that much again it would just seem to be some place for her to go something to do and you know that was my cross to bear for a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't last that long in the grand scheme of things in the grand scheme of things, no. It, I think it was... integral part of a few, one of our feuds. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was the feud. I yeah. think we, were the, we were just the uh, background. <laughs> we just had to fill in the work. Yeah. But no, I think it was uh, probably about a year and a half, two years. Um, and then, <laughs> mercifully, it came to an end. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about being over. I think probably Brian will agree with me. In the Lowell PAV, just remembering the, the cheers that Chase would get when he he would get in the ring and like want to give out his he would throw his uh, oh, yes. headband out in the crowd. Oh yeah, I had to sit there many a times and and watch him just the place do, was do, shaking. Do that to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like amazing how over he was. Like, probably one of the like top five guys yeah, that were absolutely. over in Cattle Crossing history. Absolutely. I'd put myself at number one, but. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about feuding with uh, the great Brian Malone this year. Did you win your first championship from him? I did. My first New England championship match. I believe that you might have been. that show. Yeah. Right? That was like, I think that was like, that was a big moment for both of us because it was both of our first main events. Yeah. Like, like it was funny. Like he was we kind of paralleled each other on opposite sides of the card like um, I had started to really get over as a heel he was getting over as a baby face and pants had this idea to put us together and actually have us main event to show which at that point in chaotic is you know the New England title never really main evented and and we were two of the younger guys on the card and newer guys coming up and like and, the, and you know uh you know the New England title always can uh now is more uh available to main event a show but it's usually in a gimmick match you yeah. know we were just a straight up you know kind of grudge match and oddly enough you know we've <laughs> it's kind of always been the way with us is that we've kind of always like circled back like because yep. we had a feud <laughs> this summer before and then that kind of ended that was really more around uh sparkles and cherry pain then we kind of both diverged again and kind of did our own things for a little while and then come spring it was probably spring of 05 was when then we kind of again came back together and had that new england title feud so when did you first go down to delaware for the ecwa jim kettner jim kettner's so jim came up it was probably the summer of 04 uh that was just when we started doing the uh talent exchange with IWF and ECWA you know they were bringing down some people you know Jim was very high on Arch Kincaid so mm-hmm. he Arch was coming down every show and then Andre had gone down I believe Handsome did a show uh, maybe be black and then Kettner finally came up to chaotic and he saw my baby face character and I, I hadn't I had no idea who Jim Kettner was you know um, you know pants I remember pants saying something to me as I walked in like make sure you go say hello to that guy that's Jim Kettner and I was like oh okay <laughs> oh, sure, sure, pants. Like, I, I don't know who that is, but you know, if you say so, I'll do it. So I did, and like then, you know, Jim pulled me aside afterward. You know, he was uh, very high on my character, my energy, the charisma, uh, and he, you know, he offered me to come down, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, you know, I had heard about the talent exchange, and he, you know, made it very abundantly clear to me 
that it was kind of outside of that. You know, he was very interested in having me down there more as a part of his roster. And from that first show that I did, probably fall of 04, I worked for him for the next uh, seven to eight years. Jesus. It's a lot of trips back and forth to Delaware. It's a lot of trips down to Delaware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they... They took their toll on me. <laughs> we did a couple of those drives together. Well, we did. I think we did one with Arch Kincaid. <laughs> yes, we did a couple with Michael Crockett oh, as well. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, and I did it for a couple of years, maybe a little less than but seven or eight years. Jesus, seven, eight hours? Or, yeah, I, I was yeah. more sporadic than you guys were. I'd, I'd have like a stretch of three or four in a row that I'd be off for a while, then maybe have a couple more, and then random things here and there. And you guys got to experience uh, breakfast at Casa Del Monte. <laughs> I did, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> catch up right in the middle of the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that became. I think mine was more though. I think when we went to TV. That's right. Yeah, yeah that was with uh, Biff. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. that. Those tales have been told on this podcast before. I think I've heard that one. We right? can we can bring them up again though. <laughs> that was a fun time at TV. <laughs> we can also skip over them just as easily. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, you kind of use the trips to Delaware as a way to go back and visit home, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's you know, again, for seven or eight years, the trips down to Delaware it was you know a six-hour trip down uh, usually, and that's with no traffic, kind of flying down. So, I mean, it's a 12-hour car ride if you're going to go there and back. But luckily for me, you know, the Logans came on shortly thereafter. I might have only done a show or two with Arch and John Walters, and I believe you, that we were driving down and staying at GMCs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then the Logans came, and by the time the Logans came on, then we had, you know, six people coming down. So we had two cars. Me and the Logans both lived in Lowell. Uh, we knew each other from shows, but we actually hadn't really, uh, really known each other. You know, we didn't really hang out. We weren't really spending that much time together. And it wasn't until our first trip down to Delaware where we really became friends. But then, you know, we would always try to leave on a Friday night, drive through the night, stay at my parents' house in Jersey. Uh, so I would get to see my family, get to see my sister and her kids. Then we would go to the show. And since I went to Villanova, I still had friends in the Villanova area, which was only a half hour from Delaware. So then after the shows, we would go into Philadelphia and party with my friends. So for a very long time, it really wasn't, you know, just a wrestling trip. You know, we really got to, you know, I got to see my friends. I got to see my family. So it really became like full road trip weekends. And I mean, the time we spent at ECWA was, you know, one of the smaller parts of the trip, you know, so it wasn't really just, you know, the trips down and back in the same day, those those were the taxing Oof. ones. Yeah. But, you know, when you got to spend a whole weekend, I got to see my family, got to, you know, go back to Villanova and see friends and stuff. You know, it really became more of like a party trip than, you know, just like a wrestling uh, trip down for a show. So let's talk about Brian and Matt Logan, who you first uh, really got friendly with them on these trips. Then I guess you're pretty friendly with them now, right? Yes. Um, you know, we've really become more like family, I'd say. You know, we have our wrestling stable, the Mill City Hooligans. But, you know, it's it's uh, we are a shoot. You know, we are family. I mean, I consider them my brothers. They are my uh, Massachusetts family. Uh, Live with them for a long time, right? Yes. Me and Brian lived together for four or five years. Uh, holidays together. You know, we vacation together. That's part of our uh, chemistry in the ring is, you know, it's it's a shoot, you know, be it baby face or heel. We do care about each other. We kind of know what the other person's going to do before they do it. So, you know, it just helps with that kind of in-ring chemistry. So, Chase, you've had kind of short runs in many different promotions. I mean, save the ECWA. You've kind of popped in and out here and there, but you've always kind of been a chaotic wrestling guy primarily. Is there a reason why you didn't like, I mean, you had a short run in NECW, a bunch of different promotions locally, but you're always a chaotic wrestling guy. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I I compare it to you know today's times how the business has changed. You know, uh, especially with Brian doing like ROH and uh, shit. Can I it's curse? Fine. Yeah, yeah okay. go for it. Good. Um, <laughs> but you know, and it goes to the Logans too. Like we weren't hustlers. Like we didn't, you know, actively chase bookings. Like you know, we never were really going out there and getting our name out there to a fault. Like I. I knew I was good <laughs> and I figured like, you know, if people saw my work, they should want to book me because I'm good and I'll add value to your shows. So, you know, uh, all my other different runs and different companies, you know, were from either other people hearing of me and they would have the book at a place or a lot of times the Logans would get booked somewhere and I would come, you know, around and, you know, again, then I would get on the show and then I would continue to, you know, once they saw me work, then they would decide to book me. But, you know, I, again, I was just, I never really had that not that I wasn't hungry, like, you know, I, I obviously had passion for it, but it just never, like, that drive to, like, really go out there and put my name out there, like, Brian, I think you kind of, we've talked about it too, like, yeah. that really wasn't instilled in us, like, and again, and the business was a lot different, you know, 14 years ago, like, yeah. it was dog shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, it was, I think it's also the way we were bred too, because for a long time, I was the same way, like, I didn't go out and get bookings or whatever then, it was because it was chaotic, and then WWE or bust. I mean, for there was a long time where we were kind of urged not to take a lot of bookings and not just throw our names out there and like you know work a ton of you know shitbag shows and like uh, put our garbage body- promotions, <laughs> typical indie <Yeah>. garbage. <laughs> um, so you know it was tough, and then like you know then after you you know everybody kind of gets you know after six or seven years you kind of get grizzled and get a little chip on your shoulder and then you know you kind of like feel like you know they should be coming to me like why why aren't people knocking on my door it's like no one knows who you are bozo (laughs) i mean you didn't really actively seek out wwe per se but i know you did do a weekend where you were you were matt hardy i was matt hardy (laughs) let's talk about this so that was very early on that was probably uh my second year that was probably the summer of 05 because i still uh it was before i had cut my hair and dyed it blonde so i still had the uh really long brown hair um and it wasn't as crazy as it was so it must have been like spring and summer of uh 05 and uh it was just you know the edge and matt hardy were doing that gimmick uh you know after edge stole lita from him and stuff so matt hardy was fired and then he had just come back and so i mean I guess I, for passing glimpse, you know, I looked like Matt Hardy, you know, the long brown hair, close enough. So uh, they were doing a house show loop, you know, Hampton Beach, uh, Cohasset, it's like the, the tent, Melody the, Tent. The tent yeah. shows or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the normal New England loop that they do like every summer. So it was the coolest experience probably that I've had, you know, especially, you know, TVs are kind of weird and, you know, walking on eggshells. Like it was none of that. Like, I mean, it was just a house show, you know, three of them. So like everybody's so much more laid back. Heartbreaker and uh, Tom were there at that point. They were doing the Heartbreakers, you know, kind of on the house show circuit. So I had two guys that I knew from the indies there. And so how did it come about? I'm sorry. How how did. So so Jamie came up to me and. uh believe i was working for him at undercover wear at the time and just kind of came up to me and he's like what are you doing this weekend and he's just uh was like nothing and he's just like would you want to go to the house shows and he's like we just called me they said they need a guy with long brown hair um and he's <laughs> like and i sent them your picture and they said you know that he'll work so uh, i basically had to go out and i got you know i had to get like a black hot topic shirt and like a black studded belt to kind of look like you know the hardies would look 
And that was the cool thing. Like I didn't go with anybody. There was no one there. Like I basically just drove with my gear bag, you know, my button down shirt and dress pants <laughs> and then just kind of like strolled in. And uh, again, the coolest thing is that like it's just in the back of the uh, Hampton Beach was the first one at the casino, which I've seen a thousand concerts at. Mm-hmm. So like the locker room area is like really shitty back there. Like there's just not a lot of space. So it's like you're kind of in tight and, you know, there's no one to check in with. There's nothing really to do. Like I'm just kind of like milling about and I'm like hey I'm you know the extras I'm here and they're just like yeah go for it like no one really stopped me or anything I I was just sitting in the locker room and since I was going to be doing a spot with Edge like Edge was awesome you know he did the indies and stuff so he kind of got it you know he's uh, obviously he had things to do talk over his match you know whatever but he was you know awesome kept coming back to me you know making sure like I was all right but the cool spot the coolest thing of the entire time was I got to hang out with Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels for three nights like because I would just be a fly on the wall and uh Rick Flair had one of his wives, maybe his third by that time. I don't know. Uh, But she was back there and she was staying in the locker room and she didn't know anybody. So we were kind of like the two like odd men out, you know, like she didn't know any (laughs) of the boys. Like this was like, I think one of her first times on the road. So like she was just kind of in the back and I was just kind of hanging out. So we just kind of like, you know, just kind of like sat and talked together because everyone else was like doing things and we were just kind of there with nothing to do. Chase, this story would be a hell of a lot better if you would have said you were the reason why he's no longer married <laughs> to her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, <he> did divorce. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so then like, you know, Rick and Sean were doing, uh, you know, we're working that loop. So I got to like, you know, I, since I was like kind of talking with her, like most of the time, like they would come back around and just got to listen to Sean and Rick just joke around and, you know, trade stories. And, you know, <laughs> Sean was saying something about like kind of the crappy conditions of Hampton. And he's just like, yeah, like anybody can walk in here. I was like, how do you think I got here? I was like, I just walked in with a suitcase and everyone just assumed I'm a wrestler. He's like, say this guy gets it. <laughs> so I popped Sean Michaels and like that was two years in and I was like, I can die right now. Like, this, this is George great. Stanza. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was actually the spot you were booked for to do? So it basically was the main event. It was going to be Edge versus John Cena. Edge would come out and kind of do a promo. And I would come with like, you know, a black scully cap on, sunglasses with the long brown hair kind of creeping out the back. And I would look kind of like I was like ring crew. Like I would kind of like, you know, I was told to look shady, but not suspect. Like, <laughs> like what? Yeah. So they're like, you know, so like they told me like, look like you're fixing the ring. But don't actually touch the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you that? Uh, Arn Anderson. Okay. So they went over it with me and like, you know, I'm supposed to get into the, like, I'm kind of like looking at things, like look, pulling up the aprons, like checking the turnbuckles, like gimmick in the corner buckles and stuff. And then Edge is doing his promo. And then like, you know, they gave me like by this time, like, you know, be in the ring, like on your knees, like in the in the corner. So Edge is talking about Matt Hardy and how he'd been surprising him time and time again. And then, you know, he kind of gives me the side eyed look of like, you know, oh, that's Matt Hardy again. And he just bum rushes me in the corner, pulls me out into the middle, starts, you know, beating the crap out of me until my glasses and hat come off. And then he like pulls me up by the hair and clearly I'm not Matt Hardy. <laughs> and, you know, then like he just like drops me to the ground, like is like, you know, surprised that like, you know, who it is. And then John Cena's music hits. Cena has come storming out of the ring and I just sell to the ground and walk to the back. <laughs> no spear? <laughs> Damn it. Did you go, hey, brother, let me, here's, here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, you know, after the first night, I had to tell John, I was like, John, you got to slow down. I got to sell. You know, I got to get to the back. <laughs> you're, like, ta- you're taking the heat off. Yeah, me. you're making me look like a Java kid. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the three nights and did you get any feedback or anything from people? 
Not really. Like, you know, Arn Anderson, after the first one, gave me some, like, pointers on how to sell it a little bit and, you know, kind of, like, things for the facials and the spot changed, you know, very minorly about, like, you know, where I was supposed to be and kind of, like, you know, what I was supposed to do before and after. Um, <laughs> at one of them, like, <laughs> the backstage area got closed off. Like, it's, like, the entry and, like, you know, the melody tense. It's not, like, just, like, there's no entryway. There's no ramp. And, like, I kind of got separated. So I was, like, walking outside the back and, like, had a little trouble getting into the, <laughs> getting into the locker room. Uh, there was, like, you know, kids obviously following me, like, didn't you just got beat up? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, they gave me minor feedback. But, you know, with the house shows, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar. Like, you know, like everyone else is like doing so much. Like the producers has other things to do. You know, uh, back then it was very different. The boys are all talking about where they're going out, you know, after the show and stuff. So I was really like an afterthought, you know. And, uh, you know, at that point I was really only brought in as an extra. I don't even know if the guy, you know, they really knew like I was an actual worker and stuff. You know, I talked to Heartbreaker and Tom. They were going to try and get me into the ring uh, one of the last days. But um, between everything else going on, I never really got to step into the ring. So, but I had my fun. It was, you know, a great overall experience. You get paid? I did get paid. You get paid then? I got paid a lot. Really? In, and in cash. Really? Yeah. It was great back then. That was before they cut the paydays. Yeah. It was, it was cash in hand the end of every night. Cash <laughs> money. First, I was 250 cash. 250 for three nights. Yeah. I walked out on Sunday with $750 cash in my pocket. That's nice. It nice. was awesome. So when did you end up going back to WWE after that? Was it years after that? Um, No, I would... Uh, you know, like throughout the years, like I would kind of like go through spurts, kind of depending on how I was uh, in the good graces of the chaotic office. <laughs> <laughs> and that fluctuated. That fluctuated greatly, r- rapidly, and drastically. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, I did a bunch of different stints, you know, uh, to varying degrees. Uh, you know, sometimes it was the hurry up and wait, come here at 10 o'clock in the morning and you don't get to do anything and you stand around in your dress clothes and get to eat good catering. Uh, a couple times I got to have a good workout that you know seemed to go all right and you know uh jamie noble at once seemed like he was kind of high on my work i don't know he gave me some good feedback but you know never really like anything substantial you know i got to do a spot with heidenreich once uh with handsome psycho uh, uh, <laughs> and another guy <laughs> Tony Omega. <laughs> just the four of us? Was, I forget. Wasn't, uh, Two things I, you know about Tony Omega. There's a group going to TV. He's there, and he's never in the final four of Battle Royal. <laughs> He'll be in the final five. <laughs> wasn't Andre Lyons one of them? And he, yes, he yes, bumped, he was. He bumped he, early for Heidenreich? No, that was me who bumped early. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, <pardon laughs> <me>. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> and I got left hanging. Handsome will love, uh, will be pissed if I don't mention that. Uh, fin- Finley comes to the back and like shakes everyone's hands and just skipped right over mine. <laughs> we appreciate all your work. Don't appreciate yours. <laughs> to this day, you're dead to fit oh, yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, obviously Handsome was like, he hated that you bumped early. And to this day, I'm pretty sure he didn't even watch the spot. Didn't care that some idiot, you know, bumped a little early. So, so we talked about you being a top baby face in chaotic wrestling. What led to you finally turn a heel? It's, you know, it's funny because uh, for the longest time, you know, after my record setting title reign, 
at the time. <clears throat> at the time. <laughs> um, you know, I had talked to Chaotic. Uh, I, for- I forget who was even booking then. I know, you know, Jamie has always been involved. So I kind of told him, you know, I've now been the top baby face for seven or eight years now. I've won the title. You know, I had a, you know, a year long title reign now. I was just like, you know, what are you going to really do with me? Like, uh, I was like, you know, I think it's time to turn me heel. And, you know, I had been such an over baby face that it comes to the point where I'm almost typecast. You know, they were afraid that I couldn't work heel or it wouldn't get over. So then I kind of meandered about the tag scene and just kind of did random baby face work to the point where the crowd (laughs) started to kind of turn on me, you know, because it was, I mean, it kind of like, you know, obviously it's not the same, but I'd compare it to like Cena these days. Like I had been through all of this. I lost my title. We did the cage match together. I lost that. So, you know, you were on your you know, often doing your other thing, uh, your own thing as the next champion. And I was kind of on the downstream, but like they just wanted me to still be happy go lucky, fiery, you know, baby face chase Del Monte, but like the crap no freaking sense. Yeah, like what what am I so happy about? Like, you know, the thing that like I held for a year and loved and like, you know, that was everything to me and has now been taken away and like I was basically told, like, you know, not in these terms, but like, you know, it's like, well, basically just disregard that and just continue to go on. And when, you know, the fans can pick up on that, especially the chaotic fans that, you know, come to show after show after show and, you know, are so invested in the storylines, like it basically means like kind of feels like, you know, I'm not selling my own storyline. So, you know, I like there was, you know, uh, pockets of the audience that would then start booing me and stuff. I mean, usually by the end of it, you know, they would go along with it because chaotic fans are, you know, pretty faithful and stuff. But, you know, it wasn't the, you know, loud, booming reactions anymore. It was just kind of like the polite, like, oh, yeah, here comes, you know, that guy we like. So then I think it was around Cold Theory 10. Uh, so it was like a full year of kind of just like hanging out in limbo. Uh, me and Julian were a tag team. Uh, we had some three-way at Cold Fury. Uh, the Logans went over, and then something happened with Julian. I forget some something where he got taken off shows, and then we fit Ilya into the position. So me and Ilya were tagging up against the Logans, and I had this plan to turn heel coming out of that. Matt Logan would get injured in one of the earlier matches, and as I told him, I was just like, well, this is kind of the perfect time. I was, Matt's got to be put on the shelf anyway. Uh, why don't we do an angle where, you know, it's revealed that I'm the one who did it? So uh, we did it in Lowell, where it was this big kind of like murder mystery with me and Brian, you know, like interviewing the locker room of who did it. I remember these. I think these are on yeah. YouTube. They are. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we come out to the ring together and, you know, do the old shtick about, you know, we're not going to let the show continue until the guy who uh, attacked Matt shows himself. So then, you know, Brian's looking at the entryway. He's, uh, you know, staring it down, waiting for somebody to come out. And I'm behind him, you know, after a few seconds, I start grimacing, turning to the crowd, just changing my facials, making sure they know what's about to happen he turns around i give him a gut shot with the baseball bat we drag in a uh, guardrail and that was when i debuted the cradle to the grave pile driver that was the very first one really? the old barricades uh, no 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 it was, oh. it was one of the gray ones no i would not have done one on one of those orange monsters he wouldn't be able to drag it into the ring yeah no <laughs> i would need brian's help to get it <laughs> man so i mean you talked about the fact that you wanted to turn heel and you had this input uh, i mean brian can speak to this the elder statesman if you will hope that isn't too offensive uh of the locker room kind of have i don't know carte blanche but they have uh the ability to be able to have some influence over their storylines and 
you certainly are no exception. I mean, should we talk about Chester Fernicola at this point? <laughs> we can. I mean, I don't know what I have to do with him. I mean, oh, okay. we are we are dear dear friends. So um, this is something that's really like out in outer space. <laughs> so yes, and the Logans to this day still call me an absolute lunatic for the fact that Chester Fernicola even exists. So the whole story with it was. At the time, you know, uh, and again, this is just a sign of the times, you know, we were very low on promos, you know, if and when we had a promo for a show, it was usually a guy in front of the gray and black background with a CW logo on it, just, you know, maybe with an interviewer, but just like talking like a talking head promo. And I've always been a little bit more creative and somewhat insane. So I was thinking like, you know, like, how can we do something different and i was like you know i want to be like interviewed but i didn't want to just like somebody to interview me and i was on a drive from work and i was like i wonder if i could interview myself (laughs) 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 so harry aaron at the time was doing production for chaotic and he's you know somewhat you know of a video whiz kid so i texted him and i was like you know is there any way we could do it and the way i thought of it would just be like you know we would film kind of like from a like a right facing angle and we'd film and you know i'd have like a beard and stuff and then you know i'd film all like kind of have like a you know a couple different segments and i would do promo 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 as myself as if i was answering questions and then i would completely change my appearance you know uh put on glasses redo my hair shave my face put on a different outfit and then we'd shoot it from the other side of like as if we were kind of looking at one another and then I would ask the questions. When we got there, Harry actually told me that he would have a way of actually being able to split the screen. And we actually did end up then being able to do close-ups. But, you know, you can look up the video. It's on YouTube. But it's actually me sitting on my couch interviewing me (laughs) with a cardboard cutout of me in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) And the cardboard cutout, actually, ironically enough, was important because it gave Harry the split of where to cut. So he was able to use it since it was, a, you know, it was just a cutout of me, like as a mirror image. So he was able to split along that line and then have either half of the frame of me talking to myself because then it was right in the middle of the couch and then I was on the ends of the couch. So that's how he was able to split that's that. a lot of pressure on himself too because he had to get that baby lined up exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and he actually had two cameras because you actually, if you watch the promo, it actually cuts to then close-ups uh, of us. So then he was able to like, you know, almost have a hard cam and then like a roving cam shots of me. I mean, he did a phenomenal job. And then I never thought it was going to be anything else besides this one just like wacky promo. And it's actually it was Tarzan who like <laughs> loved it. You know, he's like, this is awesome. He's like, this, this is a great promo. Like, will you do more? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, what the hell? So I started to do like, you know, and it kind of like grew and grew. And you can like actually like follow them in chronological order because they do steadily get better, like and more like well produced. <laughs> and like, you know, we started using green screens. Then I started having Pat and then we added Cam. By the end of it, you know, I had an entire news team. But the whole idea for Chester to wrestle was also Tarzan's. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he had the idea and I was just like. At this time, you know, I had gone heel. I had done a lo- uh, pretty long program with the Logans, and then that ended. And I had done it. Now I was in a program with Biff. And after that, I forget if you know Fury was on top. Then you know, uh, I believe as a heel, but whatever it was, you know, and not, I wasn't complaining about it. But you know, I wasn't going to be at the top of the card as Chase Del Monte. Um, so you know, it was kind of like a chance to do something new, and I was just 
like, yeah, what the hell? We'll, we'll see what Chester Vernicola <laughs> is as a wrestler. Um, so that's why we did the Loser Leaves Town match at Cold Fury 12. And then a couple months later, Chester Fernicola would walk into the PAV for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the transition back into Chase Del Monte was a little abrupt, right? It was very abrupt. Why was that? We never really had an endgame. Right. <laughs> it just kind of came about. And, you know, at the time, we didn't really have any ideas of how to get out of it. I knew and I had told Tarzan kind of going into it that I knew this would have a limited shelf life. Like this wasn't going to be a gimmick that like, you know, was going to last a year or two. Like it had a very limited time. And he had booked it, you know, where I had taken the New England title as Chester from uh, Mikey Webb. And then he wanted to do us a big rematch at Cold Fury. And I was just like, yeah, in a Cold Fury crowd, I do not want to be Chester Fernicola. And we only had a couple months to get there. So, I mean, we basically just up and dropped it. And, <laughs> and Chester just announced on a show that, you know, Chase Del Monte's back. And I just kind of walked in. <laughs> With the championship, right? You, you just, oh, he bequeathed it to yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't? <laughs> oh, we're dear friends. <laughs> sure he, are. He had a uh, opportunity at local access television that you know was too good to pass up, <laughs> and uh, you know it had been a year. I think the statute of limitations of my uh, exile from my loser leaves town match was over. So <laughs> not according to this fellow. <laughs> That's a Keanu wrestling staple. Yeah, anyone, <laughs> who, anyone who loses a, a loser leaves championship match, there's no way they're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I did longer than Billy Kryptonites, which was what. A show? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a little bit, right? No, I think think he lost, and then he was the special guest referee at the very next show. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. Where he shot either a dropkick or a body slam on you. Oh, is that what he was like crazy? Like hitting a bloody nose (laughs) and stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. uh, Oh, Chad Dick. He's a he's a he's a special little snowflake. That one. <laughs> he's a salesman now. <laughs> he sure is. This time is Chad Dick is paying off. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so uh, Brian, you uh, we talked about your uh, run as the idea man in chaotic wrestling. Yeah. It's probably, and, about, probably about the time I started to get involved with that. I think. Right. Yeah, I think so. And uh, your exit kind of. Uh, led to... I want to get into something here oh, first, okay. though. You like Uh-oh. to stir the pot, Michael. Right. Mm. I'm going to stir the pot now. Oh, boy. Here we go. So I'm responsible... Oh, I know this is going. I'm responsible for the rise, the re-rise of Chase Del Monte as the top baby face in chaotic wrestling. Yeah? Yes. Like, oh, you, you, what, you are you going to play dumb? Me, You're going to play dumb now? I was an island on this idea. Uh, on on putting Chase back at the top of the card, I was a man alone on this idea and completely behind it because I know and Chase knows because I was talking to him through the entire thing, like as I was telling you guys what throw I throw me under to the do. bus. Yes, absolutely, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you love to stir the pot. You were so you and Tarzan and I want to say even Jamie, I, I think, was against it. I was like, he hasn't been on top in, in forever. Why not? It's fresh. It's new for us. And, and, and you were no, it's not fresh. It, 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 we did this so many years ago. I'm like, exactly. It's right now. It's fresh. Like, it's, So who was our man then, if, it, if not Chase? Uh, you, nobody else had any ideas. Oh, like, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so between me and nothing, you wanted nothing. <laughs> oh, <God>. Ouch. <laughs> Oof. It wasn't even, it just, he had, nobody else had any of these concrete ideas, and I was like, no, I want, and I was like, totally committed to it. Like, I 
want to do this and and uh i actually remember that that phone call with you when you actually uh you pitched it to me and it, i mean it completely took me out of left field um because you're pretty entrenched as like a heel at that point i think or or, or uh, well i would like, i had done i had done the feud with i'd uh come back as chase i was the new england champion i beat webb then me and booker went into a feud and I was a baby face kind of by def- default. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because um, go- going into the feud with Booker, you know, Tarzan was kind of worried. And he's like, don't you want to be a heel? And, you know, me and Booker go back to when I very first started and was coming up. Uh, and Booker had just come back on shows. And I was just like, listen, you know, like one, like, let me kind of, you know, Booker helped me a lot when I was first starting. I was just like, I can have a great series of matches with Booker. I know that. And, you know, Adam's not the flashiest and he doesn't really like kind of like jump off the page at you, but he's a phenomenal worker. Adam is like the definition of like a, like a solid hand. Like yeah, he just, always, he's the type of guy who there's always a place for him. Exactly. And he can be much more than that, you know, if, oh, yeah. if given the right foil. And I told him, I was just like, you know, I was just like, I don't even really have to be a baby face per se. I was like, I'm still going to do all the kind of like tweening kind of uh shit that i've done i was just like but the crowd between me and booker is going to take to me because i'm their guy like you know i'm known as like and then after the booker feud i was like you know then i'm kind of open so after the booker ladder match i I went back over for the title um and i had a couple like random matches and i had one with like julian but even then i'd like julian was a big baby face at that point so i was still playing the heelish role and that's when you had, uh, you know, got the idea from me, and we had a couple matches with Elia, uh, got him the New England title, uh, and then we started that feud with Dijak. But I'll, I'll tell you, Brian, I was like, I'll, I'll uh, you know, right here <laughs> now, I will thank you because you know that that phone call kind of like re-inspired me, you know, like it kind of like you know, you said all the things you kind of said, uh, you know, right now to Crockett, like you, you know, you thought I was fresh, you know, you thought I, like uh, I was the guy to do it, and like that kind of lit a fire under my ass, and I was just like, I want to be that guy. And it was a different Chase Del Monte than that had been on top previously. You, you weren't. I mean, you're always you, but this is a you're 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 an adult now. It's like a more yeah. mature take on the babyface Chase Del Monte, and I didn't want. I certainly didn't want like powder blue you know <laughs> like come out to bon jovi again although yeah. jamie fought me on that like i remember talking to you about that yeah they, yeah, they, they want to put you out to bad medicine you're like no absolutely not <laughs> like, i mean oddly what i just talked about you know after uh, losing the title to you at cold fury nine is when you pitched it to me like and that's what you wanted from me i was like that's what i like i was like challenged by that because like now i would kind of come full circle and to me it was a challenge of who is like Chase Del Monte as a baby face now, but mature and grown up and not just coming out, you know, uh, running around the ring and stomping my foot and, you know, having that high energy. But what is this newer version of me, this one who's now been, you know, uh, in Chaotic for over a decade and how to kind of, you know, get that character over and be something different and not come out to bad medicine, still use that, you know, uh, weird heel music that I was doing and still kind of, you know, uh, do some of the eccentric, you know, heel stuff that I was doing, but rein it in and get that over as baby. Yeah, and I and I remember that match at Cold Fury because initially it, the it's funny on, on our regular shows you were clearly the baby face. You were getting over as a baby face at Cold Fury the, at the beginning of the match. Crowd was definitely a little more pro Dijak, and I was very nervous. And then by the end, they were ecstatic when you won, and that was the peak of feeling for me as like a Booker. Like me and Tarzan were like, we felt so good about everything came off perfect. This is exactly what we wanted. Like that was it was all downhill from there for me as Booker. <laughs> <laughs> for, for I mean, for me as well. That I mean that. That will, I mean, that stands out to me as one of the highlights. I mean, that was, you know, 
just a great culmination of everything. Like, you know, the match itself, I kind of knew going in and I, it's one of those times where as like a worker, sometimes like when the match is just going exactly the way you want it. And like, you have that time to kind of like stop and pause and like, almost like look around and just be like, yep. Like this is where it was. Cause I kind of, you know, a big crowd like that, they're going to take to die Jack. Like, I mean, guy looks like a star. He is <laughs> like, you know, so like, I knew that I was going to have to fight for it. Like I was going to have to be the baby face and just let him kick the crap out of me. And he did, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, I took a beating and, you know, I got my little high spots in and, you know, did the big spots to get the crowd behind me. But, you know, I mean, I just let him beat the crap out of me. And, you know, if you just keep coming, you know, the people are going to eventually get behind, you know, somebody who won't say no. But I remember that. I mean, that was, that was a great feeling that match. It, you know, Definitely, definitely a highlight. Yeah, and Michael wasn't behind it, so <laughs> all right. That's, that's the whole point of it. Just to throw Michael on the bus. So give me, give me back that spoon. Let me stir the pot again, because the irony of you flying the flag for Chase Del Monte uh, so many years later, as opposed to uh, the blood feud between the two of you, we teased at the beginning. How did this uh, come so far from uh, in the very beginning when you guys literally, as a shoot, as the kids say, hated each other? We're, uh, in a word, we grew up. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, <laughs> I, think I, I will say this, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but fuck it. Like, I feel like we were pitted against each other because to this day, if you ask me why I didn't like you, I have no clue. I have literally no clue. I don't. There's not one moment in time that I can point to that that you ever did anything to me. Um, I think we found out certain people were through, <laughs> were were uh, throwing gas on the fire and and maybe not lying, but. You know, I mean, definitely, you know, stir in the pot. Yeah. It wasn't me. (laughs) I, 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 well, I do completely agree. 100%. You know, people saw what was going on and definitely fanned the flames. You know, but both me and Brian, especially at those days, we were both stubborn. You know, we were both pig headed. We were both passionate. You know, first things first, I would say, even at the epic peak of like our heat with one another, we were always professional. Always. I mean, I remember uh, maybe it was MWF, but there was a match and we basically weren't even on speaking terms. Like we would come in, we would shake each other's hands, but then that was basically it with one another. But whenever we would have to work, like we would talk, we would get through the match. We would, you know, the chemistry was good. Yeah. (laughs) We would come back afterwards. We would, you know, talk about the match. We would talk about what happened, you know, sing each other's praises, then split the locker room. Goodbye. But, you know, again, the the situation and the business were just so much different back then. The CTC environment, you know, the only way to get to TV back then was to be in the good graces of Chaotic. And there was only limited amount of spots. And for better or worse, Chaotic would use that to their utter advantage. And, you know, they wanted us not hating each other, but they did want us kind of competing for that. And with those limited spots, there comes with heat. And, you know, I could be an abrasive person. I'll, you know, you know, (laughs) and neither of us are one to back down or, you know, uh, kind of give an inch. So when you have two people like that and we have, you know, again, we're, we're constantly feuding with each other on shows. So we're always kind of on the different side of the coin, you know, we're, you know, working together, but, we had different friends, we had different, you know, circles. So it was just kind of like something that like almost like naturally came about. But like I mean to Brian's point, like 
You'd never no, have done anything. Nothing ever happened between us. Like, <laughs> like, there's never been an a- there's never been an actual incident. Like you know, like we had there- that one heated discussion we alluded to. Like yeah, it was, yes. there was, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was. I forgot that yeah. Fred got involved with that. So yeah, there it was upstairs at the PAV, right? It was upstairs because yeah, I remember yeah, walking yeah. up and hearing raised voices and <laughs> turning on a dime, Shocking. walking back downstairs. Shocking. <laughs> so I, I don't even remember how it all started. But was that the oh, PAV? I, yeah, you were texting Fury. You guys were making fun of me. I, I can clearly I gonna, I see you guys making fun of me. I do me. remember that. Like, I don't even remember. Like, it wasn't, I don't even remember like what we were saying. Yeah. But we were like, you know, like giving each other iggies and stuff, and like, like you know, nodding and like we were being blatant. And then I walked upstairs to go to the bathroom, and you followed me up, and you're just, you know, uh, said like, you know, do we have an issue here? And then I was just like, I don't know. You tell me. And like, you know, and it's like. <laughs> It, then that's when it kind of came out because it was just like, well, what's your problem with me? And I was like, I don't know. Why do you have a problem with me? And like when we both answered, asked that question, it was like, I, I don't, I we don't started know. Co- we started comparing notes. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> Fred, Fred Sampson, Darren Young walks by and goes, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just He literally walked over, like started walking down the hallway, saw that we were having like, you know, which I, we were just like talking over a match. Like he was saw that we were involved and he's like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like literally about faced and then just walked right back down. <laughs> yeah, but it was like it was like one of those things like we started comparing notes. We started realizing like I don't know if we walked away in that moment as friends, but we walked away of like, okay, uh, this is done. Like yeah, this, just, this needs to end. Like and it, I mean, and again, it comes from being more mature now and like even even then by the end of it, you know, we were more mature, but like I think we never really had a conversation around it. Like, you know, even when uh, the three of us made a trip down to ECWA, like there was still kind of heat, but both of us were professional enough. Like we're not going to sit there in silence in a car ride or make it awkward for you or like, you know, Rocket does ha- that. <laughs> I said or, like, silence. or have it out for like six hours. Yeah. But you know, it, in retrospect, if on our first car ride, like I had been shotgun and you were driving or vice versa and we would have just been like, so what's the deal? Yeah, what like, is this? Why don't we like each other? Like we probably would have laughed about it and like yeah. been, you know better friends a lot sooner i mean it, the, the core of it probably is like we're just different we're just different people yeah. like we, we run in different circles you know we like different things the biggest thing me and you have in common is we are we love and are passionate about pro wrestling yeah and and, and seinfeld and seinfeld yes <laughs> but it, I, I think that probably was it and and when you're not actively talking to somebody like we've been hanging out on the weekends you know or whatever like it would have been different but like then then when you're not talking then you start doing the whole drawing connections and like making literally fabricating things and just yeah it was but i i think at the crux of it it was we're different people and we're two guys in our 20s full of you know piss and vinegar and testosterone and lord knows what else and and, th- and just wanting the same fucking thing like and, and i think we're, i think we both spin up pretty easily yes you know we're, we're, it's, it's what makes us you know workers and stuff you know we're emotional people like you know and like it's we're quick to get fired up and stuff so you know and people know that and they know we have like uh you know an issue with each other so like someone throws a little jab like you know malonis might have just like said something in passing like oh is that chase's bag and like kicked it this is not an actual incident. <laughs> but, you know, like, and then like you know like then someone comes over to me oh malone has kicked your gear bag you know and it's like, that son of a bitch he did what <laughs> but like it just so it's just easy stuff like you know like there was already a spark there so like you know every little drop of gasoline is just so much yeah. easier to rise and again it's you don't we even never know. talked about it. that was the thing we never exactly. talked about it so it just built 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 until that moment and then after that i mean there's never been another thing. I mean, no. um, you know, I know you want we want to get into the transition of when I started to leave chaotic. There was a void, and somebody had to fill it. And Chase, being the the most senior guy, he filled that void. And 
you know, when I left and I, and I did leave altogether completely as well. Uh, I mean, there's never been another moment where at least we didn't talk about shit, even, even if there were things we didn't agree on or whatever, or we've always kept the line of communication open. And that's been the difference between when we were 24, 25 years old till now it's, Hey, here's how I'm feeling. Hey, here's how I'm feeling. Oh, okay, cool. Whatever. All right. Because <laughs> if, if you remember, when you first pitched me uh, Cold Fury 14 with me and Dijak, I pushed for you to turn me heel. I pushed to be yeah, the you, heel yeah, in that to scenario. Be, yeah, to be him. And you, know, and you had told me, like, you know, like, that's not what I want. He's like, I want, you know, a mature Chase babyface. Uh, like, again, I took it as a challenge. I was just like, all right, like, you know, that's what I'll do. And it's like, again, that's not what I wanted. And if I had, like, influence or whatever, like, but we never argued about it. I never, like, was hot about it. I was yeah. just like, all right, I see your point. And if you're booking, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I think flip side too, like there's been things that I, I like, all right, that's what you want me to do. Cool. Here's what I thought. Cool. All right, I'll do it. But I think you've been a guy and I've always been a guy too for the most part that's like add your two cents, but you're professional enough to, okay, that's what you want. I will do it to the best of my ability. Yeah, because I mean going into that transitional period when you uh, you know, kind of stopped doing it, it really was like a natural thing. Like, I mean, <laughs> for it, it is it is ironic that it was you who did it, but you kind of like <laughs> created like, you know, this <laughs> this version of Chase that, you know, still is kind of hanging around because by the time you left, I had become, you know, and after everything that happened with Preston, so I ended up, you know, getting the title back and, you know, basically became like kind of... That could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but, but he ended up becoming, you know, like one kind of giant title reign um, where I was kind of the top guy in the company and you had left and then Tarzan had left uh, or maybe Tarzan was still booking for another show. But all, you know, like all I told Jamie was just like, I've been around for like 12 years at this point. I was just like, let me help you. <laughs> like, I was just like, I'm your top guy. I was just like, you know, I might have, you know, a little bit more ability to help you. Like, not, I, I love Tarzan. I loved working with him. Uh, you know, the stuff I did with Brian and Biff, you know, was great. But, you know, I was just like, Tarzan was not a chaotic guy. He just kind of came in and started booking. And uh, again, I love the Tarzan years. They were great. But I was just like, you know, what did what did he do that I didn't? Like, I was just like, you know, I was like, what credentials or like resume did he submit? Like, you know, let me, uh, you know, let me help here. And me, it was more just happy accident. Like I was working at Undercover Wear and Tarzan started to slip away. You started to slip. Well, you, I say you, Mike Crockett started to slip away. And I kind of filled that void. And then before I knew it, I, oh, I guess I'm the booker now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's me. Um, but yeah, it's, you know. We've come a long way. <laughs> Very true. And let's get into, uh, we're leading into Cold Fury 17 this Friday night, Haverhill, Massachusetts. Can you believe that we've been on like 14 of these? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a claim to fame I know. Claim, to, claim to shame. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to seeing in Haverhill? What am I looking forward to seeing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly the main event, uh, JT Dunn and Elia. You know, JT came on board right uh, as I had turned heel. Basically, all of 2016 was me and JT. Uh, we went a different way in the end, but you know his whole path in chaotic, at least, you know, to me has been a very interesting arc. And now for it to kind of come full circle at Cold Fury with everything that he's kind of been through, and you know, I feel like he really has that kind of old school mentality of like you know the place that chaotic was back in the day, and that kind of uh, indie mentality of you know chaotic is the place to be, um, and that kind of like fuel is really you know fueling him and you know Ilya to be the heel that. You know, it's really now catching on and engaging in the way that his babyface character really wasn't, I think is going to make for a, just an, a great, great match. 
So want to talk about an indie dream match. How about Josh Briggs versus a guy who's been in the news a lot recently, Eddie Edwards? Oh, boy. Old baseball face. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a big one. Uh, no, I mean, Eddie's one of the best I've ever stepped in the ring with. I absolutely uh, love working with him. And Josh, I mean, I just found out the other day how young he is. Uh, he Mind-blowing. Because right? he, look, he looks so you know just old and grizzled from his look. But he's got nothing but upside and potential. And to work with somebody like Eddie is just going to, you know, really, I think, tap into like a, another side of him. That one, that one's definitely going to be a show stealer. And plus, you got Tommy Dreamer and some friends coming, I'm hearing. We do. It'll be in an extreme contingent. And let's not bury the lead. Oh, I'll be on the card as well. Uh, <laughs> me and Mike Verna. There you go. Been uh, chasing each other, pardon the pun, uh, for almost a year now. And this will actually be our first advertised one-on-one match, even though that we have been, again, battling and kind of bumping heads for almost uh, 12 months. And we were there live the last time you were in Haverhill when oh something happened to you, <laughs> Chase. We've talked about this on the podcast so as gross. well. <laughs> I got the piece of metal upstairs. <laughs> Please don't show us. <laughs> so yeah, you were in a cage match, like a war game style match. Yep. And uh, you found yourself, your arm was somehow connected to the cage yeah i i have a you know i'm so creative that i even come up with new injuries that have never <laughs> happened <laughs> so yeah i was taking the old like you know buckle bomb uh but this time into the cage and I, so i was i hit the cage wall and kind of slid down the cage you know in between uh the cage and the rope so i'm kind of on the apron and i had no idea it happened like i did not feel a single thing Verna comes and tries to pull me off the cage to pull me into the ring to try and pin me. And I just feel like I'm, I, I could tell I'm stuck because I'm not moving. But again, there's no pain or anything. So I'm just kind of like kicking him away. And I'm like, I'm stuck. So like I look and it was kind of right at the edge of my wrist tape. So I thought it had hooked under my tape. So as I start to kind of pull my arm up just to kind of loosen my wrist tape, I see my skin start to pull like a <laughs> saw movie. Like, you know, it's just like stretching. And I'm like, I think that's in my arm. So I do it again, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's in my arm. I felt it. Vomit. So I call, you know, Bass comes over to check on me. And I, call, I go to Bass, and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, I was like, don't freak out, but I'm stuck in the cage. And he's like, you're stuck in the cage. And I move my arm a little bit, and he sees it, and he's just like, go! And he goes <laughs> running away from me. I'm like, no, don't do that. So then, you know, and obviously, I mean, it's a who would ever expect that to happen but then the ring crew kids all come like running over to me you know one of them is just like brace yourself i'm gonna pull you loose and i was like don't you dare <laughs> <laughs> but then you know people are freaking out jamie comes over you know he's gonna stop the match i'm demanding that he not stop the match you know keep it going you know it's just like finally they get a pair of wire cutters i, I guess it, it i watching it back it wasn't that long but i mean it felt like i was stuck in that cage for an eternity <laughs> and like you know it's just you know the injury mentality of where everyone's hovering over you and i just want everyone away from me and i'm just like telling them i was like just get me loose just get me loose just get me loose and then finally i was able to cut loose and they're like trying to pull me out of the cage and i just see verna 
<laughs> and, you know, they really couldn't communicate, so I just kicked him in the face. <laughs> which, which I'm prone to do anyway. <laughs> <It's happened. laughs> so and I just lay on top of him, and I think they had rung the bell, but I'm just, like, demanding that Rich, you know, uh, register the three count. You know, and people are asking me what the hell I'm doing. But, you know, again, <laughs> show goes on. It's just a little piece of metal in my arm. Gross. <laughs> so Verno hopefully will kick you right in the face. This Friday night. No, hopefully history will repeat itself. And without the medal in my arm, I will be victorious. So it is uh, chaoticwrestling.com to get your tickets. Are there still tickets available? There are still tickets available. Front row is sold out, as I believe so is second row. But there are third row and uh, general admission floor seats and bleacher seats available. It is a nice facility. And what is is the the college? Uh, Northern Northern Essex Essex Community College. All right, that's Haverhill, Massachusetts. Do you think you do do us a solid, though, Chase? Could you hook Mike up with a discounted ticket? Please don't make him pay full price. Well, he can still pay, just not full price? Oh, yeah, just give him a a discounted ticket, yeah. All right, I can do that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a good seat. No, it's going to be bleachers. (laughs) (laughs) That's very nice of you. Really appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much, Chase Del Monte. Thank you, guys. I apologize already for your uh, downloads probably plummeting. No, no, no. no. We're going to make up for it. You're going to stick around for the promo about nothing. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Yeah, we're going to put you to work now. You're going to earn your keep. All right. Before before we get to that, though, we want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your your take on this week's episodes, your thoughts on our discussion with Chase Del Monte here. Use the hashtag WPAN. Let's talk about booking the territory for one second here. Booking the territory. They do it twice a week, Sundays and Thursdays. MikeMills.podbean.com. Our buddy Mike Mills, who supports us all the time. We support him as well. Take a listen to Booking the Territory twice a week. And also our good friends Joe Morata and Michael Quinn from our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Every Monday, you can check them out. Eh, listen to us first. Then listen to our buddies Joe and Quinn over there at our vantage point. And also greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson, our good friend. He is uh, talking about one single episode of wrestling television each and every week with a lot of uh, the context of the time and such. So make sure to check out Greetings from Allentown. Uh, You can check out his feed or the Place to Be Nation Pro Wrestling Only feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart and a cast of thousands. Find them. They have stuff going on all week on that feed. Look up Rundown Wrestling Podcast and subscribe. And it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. You're in for a treat. People ask me, what do you mean BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Black defeats Amis? Well, it could after NXT TakeOver New Orleans, where Aleister Black challenges Andrade Cien Almas in the main event. Really? That's your, you're going to plug the competition? Oh, I'm sorry. Going head-to-head with them that night. Oh, I'm sorry. But until then, BDA Radio means the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all of the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. <clears throat> Cien Almas, Iselina Vega, dicen que visites BDRadio.com. Unbelievable. That's Spanish, by the way. Borque. Really? <laughs> wow, I couldn't have figured that out. Yeah, I can't believe the uh, the balls on you, huh? You know, come on here. I'm, you know I'm part of Ring of Honor. You know I'm on Supercard of Honor. We're going head-to-head with NXT, and you're going to plug them. 
Uh, also see Brian Malonis. You're um, you're a real piece of garbage. You guys, you guys got five thousand. See the biggest, see the that. biggest match of WrestleMania weekend: Cody versus Kenny Omega. Exactly, five thousand tickets sold. What are you worried about? <laughs> right. Well, there might be a couple less now because of you. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let's get into the promo about nothing. The year nineteen eighty three. Oh boy, it's old school. And this is uh, someplace we haven't been yet, Brian and Chase. International Wrestling. It's based in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Sounds very official. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But they are doing a show in Detroit. And George Cannon is standing by with Billy Robinson and his manager, Lord Alfred Hayes. Oh. In 1983. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. Superstars of Wrestling returns to the Detroit area. Saturday, May the 7th, and mark this down, it's the Joe Louis Arena this time. Saturday, May 7th, Joe Louis Arena, one of the exciting matches on that card, international tag team championship action going into the ring, Lord Alfred Hayes, the mentor, and his wrestler, Billy Robinson. They make absolutely disgusting tea here. <laughs> now then, to get to a more serious subject, Robinson has been the speculation recently of many critics of wrestling saying, is he the wrestler that he formerly was? Let me put your mind at rest. He is much better than he formerly was. Robinson is with me and everybody benefits by my presence. Now then, Dino Bravo, I know that at the moment... You have the championship. And you want to hold on to this championship. And you'll do anything to hold on to, including uh, conspiring with the authorities. But don't forget, uh, Robinson uh, is a man of honor. A man who is vastly superior to all other wrestlers. And he is going to thrash you. William, tell them. I don't think we need tell them anything, Lord. You've said it all. I'm just superior. The one thing Lord neglected to say is for a cup of tea Dynamite drop in that you don't like, you certainly seem to be enjoying it. I always enjoy tea, no matter how bad it is. Continue. I see. And what you're saying is this. Walk off. Tea, no matter how bad it is, is still good. Tarzan's He's going pissed. to be <laughs> Joe Lewis Arena. Saturday, May the seventh, when the superstars return. So, so this is my first promo about nothing. But I thought you said you watch bad promos. <laughs> <laughs> well, bad or or just strange Weird. or interesting. Coming soon to a Chase Del Monte promo near you. <laughs> tea slurping. <laughs> well, he did the slurp, but he didn't do the ah afterwards. So that would have made it all right. You know what I'm wondering though is uh, who's paying the promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> I have no idea. What about, uh, do you think Triple H stole his uh, promo delivery from Lord Al? Robinson, nah. (laughs) Always with the ah afterwards. Uh, I didn't even hear it. I was too uh, consumed with the rolling of those R's. It was was fabulous. Yeah, the the T. Yeah, that is... (laughs) Yeah, that, w- that seems like a Chester Fernicola kind of thing. <laughs> oh, we sip, we don't slurp on the news. <laughs> Fernicola making a comeback. <laughs> so the interviewer here is George Cannon, also known as Crybaby Cannon, and I mean his interview style is uh, leaves a little to be desired. He's no Chester. Low energy. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just plugs a show and then just goes. Nah. 
fly ball. How about Billy Pop. Robinson's uh, catchphrase to seal sum it all up there? <laughs> really got nothing to say. <laughs> really said it all. I think, um, I think I've moved your table about a foot, by the way, <laughs> during, the, during the course of this promo. <laughs> Slowly pushing Crockett against the wall. <laughs> I'd like to leave him, man. Oof. So, yeah, this uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining, but uh, I like when he gets a little, a little uh, excited there. The championship. <laughs> it's very... Uh, a little bass in his voice. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so different from guys of our age, the way we remember Lord Alfred Hayes. Like this is was polar. He, was opposite. he a worker? Yeah, yeah. There's actually oh. like a, there's actually a ridiculous like clip of him. I, I feel like I watched it with like Matt and Brian at Undercover Wear like way back in the day, like where he is just doing outrageous things in the ring, like just the way he was moving and wrestling. Like, Please find that and tweet it to me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> we'll probably tweet it at the WPN on yes. Twitter too. But just like T. Fellas, promos about nothing. No matter how bad they are, they're still good. Yes. Just like T. Uh, so you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Before we get out of here, Brian, you're hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I do, Mike. As Chase said, this Friday night, Haverhill, Massachusetts, the big one, Cold Fury. I don't know when when stuff's getting announced, so my match will be determined, <laughs> and, and you'll know exactly everything. We talked about it last week, that that match is uh, not happening. Me versus Brick Mestone is not happening. Oh, Card boy. subject to change. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I'll be there. I'll be in attendance. I'll be wrestling. And if you really want to know my matches, you'll be there too. Buy a ticket. Go to chaoticwrestling.com for all ticket and card information or just rewind this podcast a few minutes and you can hear a little bit of a rundown <laughs> the very next night the 17th i'll be heading out to chicopee massachusetts pioneer valley pro wrestling uh then on sunday march the 18th northeast wrestling in bethany connecticut mike hold on i gotta switch here oh, all right hey, hey april 7th oh boy april 7th as we've already kind of talked about here What's the only on show people the only yeah the only show people should care about the entire weekend Ring of Honor, Super Card of <laughs> Honor, <laughs> April 7th in New Orleans, Louisiana, and yours truly will be in attendance, Mike, performing. Wow. Right. And this this one, I had my dates mixed up. April the 13th, Chaotic Wrestling returns to Woburn. I'll be nope. there. We will not be in Woburn. Oh, well, where are we then? Uh, breaking news now, we will be in Danvers, Massachusetts. All right, oh. Chaotic Wrestling, April the 13th in Danvers, Mass. Exclusive for Am here. I still there? <laughs> Am I still booked, Terry? <laughs> TBD. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, if I'm not booked, don't go. No. <laughs> Either way, go to the show. I'm always a supporter of Chaotic Wrestling. That's home to me. It'll always be home to me. Uh, and then, though, the very next day, I'm heading to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Ring of Honor uh, in Pittsburgh, and then April the 15th, Ring of Honor in Columbus, Ohio. All right. I well, am crisscrossing this great nation of ours, Mike. You sure are. Now more than ever. And if you want to book the Kingpin, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. Chase Del Monte, thank you very much once again. Thank you for having me, finally. For being a part of this thing. <laughs> are you on the tweeter? I am on the tweeter at Chase Del Monte. I don't tweet her very much, though. Okay. Well, maybe I'll get a couple followers out of it. That's always nice. <laughs> Makes you feel good. Give away a t-shirt. I'll get you a few followers. Oh, you did. You did that, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I gained like fifty followers of because uh, of that. 
Perfect. Well, I got plenty of them. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Chase. Thank you very much. And we are back next Monday for the big one, episode 100 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. So please get in those emails roasting us right now before next week's episode, 401-584-9726. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing.